time has come. What's better than this? Guys being dudes. The Athletic presents Hogan Johns. Hoge. 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 Put it in the corner. Hoge. Hoge. From CHGO, it's Adam Ho. And from The Athletic, it's Adam Johns. It's one of the craziest games that I've covered live. But that crazy. I feel like, how many times a season do we say that? Yeah, but this one, like, I know. In the red zone. I'm, I'm not disputing what you're zone. saying. I'm just like, how does this franchise keep doing this? Anyway, uh, who cares? Here they are, the Adams, Hogan Johns. What's up? Welcome in, Hogue and Johns with you as we head into the latest bye week. I can remember. <laughs> it's almost Christmas. Good job, NFL. Fantasy football uh, regular season winding down. And uh, six teams are on a bye this weekend. Who scheduled that? What's well, the problem with 17 games? But I can't remember the Bears having one this late in a long time. I don't think they ever have. I don't remember a December no. bye week. No, no. They've been fact, lucky. Like re- over, they've been yeah, lucky. Most in recent years, I feel years. like it's right in the middle of middle, the season. Yes, it, yeah, yeah. A couple yeah. early ones I can remember covering, like the the week six by week. But in, in previous seasons, I feel like they've been around the eight to, to nine week range. Yeah. So I guess they were due for one of these. Anyway, whatever this uh, is, <laughs> it's nice they're here. They're three and ten. Um, which is kind of the focus of this episode. Welcome in Adam Hogue, Adam Johns with you. Follow us on Twitter at Adam Hoke, at Adam Johns. You can read Johnsy on The Athletic. You can read me at allchgo.com. we got a big newsletter going into the bye week coming out tomorrow morning for you. If you're signed up as a CHGO diehard, um, that'll be in there. And um, on The Athletic right now, one of the things you can read is Dane Brugler's first mock draft. And it feels like we're already in draft season, Johnsy. So we thought it'd be a good idea. Um, and by the way, thank you for people watching on YouTube, subscribed, notifications, uh, hit that like button, and also please rate and review the pod if you're listening the old-fashioned way. Um, we thought it'd be a good idea, Johnsy, to kind of do an NFL draft episode going to the bye week. To deep dive into how this class is shaping up, and we're still learning things. I mean, at, at, like Jackson Smith and Jigba, the Ohio State wide receiver, like declared right before the show started today. So there's still pieces to be figured out, players to declare or not declare or go back. Um, but Dane Brugler's the best. He's the beast he the himself. Be- the beast, or the producer of the beast, the writer of the beast, right. the author. Yeah, which I keep right here. This is last year's version. He's working on this year's version right now. Um, so we thought we'd bring him in. Long conversation with Dane Brugler today, uh, as specifically as how it pertains to the Bears, who right now have the number two overall pick. And just to recap, Johns, if they lose out, if they do not win another game this season, which is a possibility, they are guaranteed a top three pick. If they win one more game as it stands even right now and other teams are going to win more too but as it stands right now even if they win one more game the lowest they could drop the farthest they could drop is number seven so they're in good shape to get a high pick in the 2023 nfl draft that's how it stands right now so let's talk to dane about it shall we let's do it 
All right, well, since the Bears are 3-10, and 10, I think NFL draft season has already started, Johnsy. I thought it started like Just, three weeks ago, maybe yeah, four. <laughs> it seems like it. The Dolphins lost. Yeah, so we thought it would be a good idea with the bye week here to bring in our guy, Dane Brugler, who covers the draft so well for The Athletic. You can follow him on Twitter, at DP Brugler. Right now, Dane, the Bears projected to have the number two overall pick, so I feel like uh, you know we're going to be knocking on your door a little bit even more than we normally do in the next coming months leading up to the draft. Um, but Dane, thanks for jumping on with us today. We really appreciate it. Yeah, no, of course. I know. I'm sure for Bears fans, it's it's a little bittersweet because some of these losses are so close to being wins. But at the same time, Justin Fields is playing well. You feel like you're headed in the right direction. Plus, you're you know projected for a top three pick in the process. Not the worst outcome, and it's going to be interesting. I mean, the Bears, they're one of two teams with double-digit losses. So they're right there at the top, and, uh, you know, they're in the driver's seat. Even though, even if they do get another win or two down the stretch, they're, they're still looking at a pretty high pick. In your, your first mock draft, 1.0, you had the Bears taking Alabama pass rusher Will Anderson at number two. Tell us what you like about him, and why do you think he's a good fit for the Bears? Well, I mean, if you're the Bears, obviously, you're going to be open for business if you're picking top three. So you're going to be taking the calls. You're going to be, you know, you're going to hope that there's going to be teams looking to trade up to get that quarterback. So, you know, I I think it's first and foremost important to point that out. I'll I'll hear from Bears fans uh, if I don't. Um, But (laughs) let's just say, yeah, let's just say that, uh, you know, Bryce Young goes one and teams aren't just blown away by C.J. Stroud, Will Levis, any of these other quarterbacks, you're stuck at two, and that's not the worst thing in the world because there are two cornerstone defensive players in this draft with uh, Will Anderson, uh, the pass rusher from Alabama, and then Jalen Carter, the defensive tackle uh, from Georgia. And, I mean, you can't go wrong with either of two of these uh, players. And I don't care, you know, based on what scheme you're running, based off of who's already on your roster – you need to draft the best player here that's going to best impact your roster uh, for the long haul. I mean, this is an investment in finding a, a cornerstone defensive player. And either one of these two players fit. Um, you know, I think different teams will have a different preference on who they want. But for me, I give the edge to Will Anderson. Um, you know, he's just as good of a pass rusher as he is. He's actually a better run defender, which is pretty impressive. Um, but even as a pass rusher, this guy's, uh, you know, he jumps off the film. Lower body twitch is special. He's got an explosive upper body. Uh, he's got that bendy, flexible frame. So, uh, you know, he can come at you from an upward motion. Uh, he can win in different ways with the way he sets up his, his pass rush moves. Uh, and he just, he's so, and he's very smart. He reads blocks very quickly. So he understands what he needs to do with his hands to counter, uh, work off of whatever the, the blocker is throwing at him. And so, uh, you know, he just, there's a lot there to like. Now, not a perfect player. Um, my biggest issue with him the missed tackles. Uh, there are too many times where he's just leaving production on the field. I mean, he gets that disruption, but he's not finishing in the backfield or he'll leave his feet a little bit too early, uh, getting his hands on the running back, but it just uh, not enough to get him on the ground. So um, he's not a, a perfect player by any means, but this is a scheme proof talent who, uh, you know, gives the bears uh, and, and a guy that's going to step in immediately and, you know, be that pass rusher that I think they've really been lacking since Khalil Mack left. 
So, Dane, you touched on it there that different teams might have different preferences on these two guys. So if I told you that the three technique is the most important position in Matty Berflus' defense, like the thing that they really need to create penetration from the inside out, would you go with Jalen Carter or still stick with Anderson uh, between those two players? I think it should be less about the position and more about the player. I mean, I, I think that if if you if, now if you view them similar and say, okay, Will Anderson, Jalen Carter, they're both outstanding players. We have similar grades on them. Then you know that's when I think it comes into play. Like, okay, let's take the the player that um, is going to make uh, or that fits our scheme a little bit better. But it's all about impact. And if because the three technique is. Uh, such an important part of what Iberflus wants to do. If that gives Jalen Carter an edge, uh, that that certainly makes sense because it's it's all about impact. Um, and, and with Jalen Carter, he can certainly make an impact. He's he can win with power. Um, you know the quickness that he has off the, off the snap, body control uh, to get through gaps. He's an explosive looper, so you can do different things with him with how you attack him. Um, and you know there are times where he'll get a little bit off balance. He'll leave his feet, things like that. But his his block destruction is special, and, and I think that's that's really why we're talking about him as a top five pick, a probable top three pick, and, and a guy that Bears fans need to know about. Can we continue with that, like the conversation a little bit about like him disrupting the the, the offensive line there? Because like when I talk to scouts about guys from like Alabama and Georgia, like one thing over the years they always had like who's the guy? Like like it's it's a loaded team that's going to have like you know for multiple first round picks like who's the guy that's really driving things like defensively I guess how would you rate Anderson and Carter like in that aspect like are, are they the guys that stand out above the rest of those loaded defenses well I, I mean I think the perfect example of this last year the Georgia uh national champions uh that defense was special they had what yeah. four defenders go in the first round? They had like seven or eight drafted from that defense alone, and everybody that watches that tape from last year came away thinking, "Oh wow, Jordan Davis is pretty good. Devontae Wyatt's pretty good. Both first round picks." But man, this '88, this guy is different. And he was only a true sophomore last year. Talk about Jalen Carter. So when you uh, when you're not even a starter and you're still standing out like that. Uh, among all these other pros on that roster, and you're still making this type of uh, noise and, and you know giving you this type of feeling as a player. I, I mean, it's that that's what you are hoping to see from a yeah. top three pick, and that's what he has delivered. Uh, he, he missed a few games this year with an injury, and it was noticeable when he wasn't out there, and then when he was back on the field. Um, and so when he's out there, he's making an impact, and he, it just looks different than everybody else on that Georgia defense. And that Georgia defense is again loaded. Uh, with future NFL talent. So there's no question about that. And then with Will Anderson, it's kind of the same thing. I mean, Dallas Turner on the other side is a good player. Uh, Byron Young, the defensive tackle, is really good. Alabama's, you know, that front seven, like usual, is is a really talented group. But it's still Will Anderson, number 31, who is that, – that's who the offense is looking for. Um, you know, the, the production's down a little bit, which 
not too surprising when you consider how special his sophomore season was last year. Had over 100 tackles, uh, 32 tackles for loss uh, last year. Number two in the nation was like 22, uh, Devin Lloyd at Utah, uh, who was a first-round pick. So Will Anderson last year was just had a special season, and so not a surprise that his production's down a little bit. Uh, but a big part of that is because offenses are looking for him and they're throwing extra blockers his way, chips, different things like that to get him off schedule. Um, and so, you know, when you are the guy on defense that offenses are game planning around and for and OK, if we stop this guy, we'll take our chances with everybody else. That tells you a lot. And it's pretty evident on tape. That's what opposing offenses are doing uh, to, to Will Anderson. So both these guys, it doesn't take uh, very long. You watch, you know, uh, when you start watching a tape, it doesn't take more than 10 plays to realize, okay, yeah, this guy and this guy, these guys are different and it's different with the way they're moving, but also different with the way offenses are playing them. All right. So as good as these two guys are and could be there, um, the early consensus from Bears fans and desire seems to be to magically find a trade partner, move back, mm-hmm. get more picks, maybe a first-round pick next year, something like that. So let's talk about this quarterback class because that's usually what it takes. Not always, but it's usually the quarterback. What? How is this quarterback class shaping up? How many of these guys could realistically be that high to give the Bears that option? It's going to be really interesting because – You know, uh, in most years, we always say the same thing, right? That these guys are going to get pushed up. You know, the quarterback desperation is a real thing. And then we have a draft like we did last year, where we had one quarterback going the first 73 picks. And talking to teams over the summer and just kind of reflecting on what we just saw, a lot, I heard a lot of the same things. And that's, you know what? We were willing to be patient. Uh, you know, in most years, Malik Willis goes at the end of round one, somewhere around two. Desmond Ritter, Matt Corral, these guys go early. Sam Howell. Um, but it, none of them did because teams were willing to be patient because they looked at this year's draft and said, OK, next year's draft's better. Um, and so it'll be interesting this year to see what teams do if they still abide by that same uh, you know, philosophy where, you know what, if we don't love the player, we're going to be patient. Um, and next year's draft, I know next year's draft is always better in terms of quarterbacks. That's, that's something I feel like we hear a lot. Um, and, but this year, or it was true last year, it absolutely feels tr- true this year. When you look at next year with Caleb Williams and Drake May and J.J. McCarthy and uh, Quinn Ewers and, and the quarterbacks that could potentially be in next year's class. So w- if teams don't love the quarterbacks this year, and we, we could put Coles and all these guys. Will they be patient again? And you know, not most GMs don't have that type of job security. Most, most head coaches, you know, they it's strike while the iron's hot. A lot of teams, you know, take the Lions for example, with the way that they've been playing. You know, they have the Rams pick, which is currently a top five pick. Will they feel the need to draft a quarterback now because they don't expect to be picking in the top seven, ten picks uh, moving forward with the way that they that they're trending? So. It'll be interesting the different philosophies from team to team, but just focusing on this quarterback class, you know, it's it's a it's a group of really talented but but flawed players. You could poke holes in all these guys. Bryce Young to me is the top quarterback, uh, but you know what? He's an outlier in terms of size, and that's going to be a problem for some teams. Uh, you know, going back in the last twenty five years, there have been three hundred and one quarterbacks drafted. Only two were under five eleven and under two hundred pounds. And it, that's what Bryce Young is going to be when he weighs in at the combine. And so it, it's going to be interesting to see how teams look at that. Um, it, it's some teams are going to be out. You know, they have certain you know thresholds and benchmarks 
uh, in terms of size at the quarterback position. They're not interested in an outlier, especially, you know, in a top five, top 10 pick. Other teams are going to look at the results, look at, uh, you know, the traits that make him a good quarterback and say, you know what, we'll roll the dice. We'll take our chances. Um, and, and so it'll be interesting with Bryce Young. With C.J. Stroud, uh, you know, it's my big issue with C.J. Stroud is in today's NFL, you can't be just a passer. You have to be a creator. And I, I think C.J. Stroud is an outstanding passer. When in rhythm, he is just surgical with his accuracy downfield, with the way he can read pre and post snap. Uh, but when things fall apart, when the rush gets there, gets home, when things don't go according to plan, can he do things out of structure to keep the play alive and still, you know, keep the offense moving, move the chains? That's where I have my concerns with CJ Stroud. And that's, I've heard the same concerns from NFL teams. And so CJ Stroud isn't universally loved by NFL teams either. Some think that, Hey, he's still going to go top 10. Others think he's going to fall a little bit. The C.J. Stroud conversation is very up in the air. And then Will Levis, it, again, it's more of the same in terms of uh, being a very divisive uh, a prospect because you see the talent, but he's, he's an older player. Um, and, you know, what's the potential is great, but when is he going to reach that potential? And, you know, what is it going to take for him to get there? You just wish uh, Will Levis played a little bit quicker with everything. Uh, you know, the, the prototypical size, arm strength, mobility, toughness, the competitiveness is off the charts. Um, so he's going to do well with coaches and the interviews and things like that. But, um, it, you know, what's the asking price? Where do you draft him? Um, and, and it's a similar conversation with Anthony Richardson from Florida, who recently declared Richard sophomore, one-year starter. A lot of question marks there. Um, he's very, very raw, but he's also rare in terms of the, the physical package and what he brings you. So I, that that's going to be a tough one. He's a true wild card. Anthony Richardson he could go first round. He could go day two. I, I'm not sure anything no, or nothing would surprise me with him because he's so, so talented, but it's it's a strict projection with what is he going to look like two, three years from now. So interview process will be big for him just to understand, OK, you know, what is he what is he seeing out there? Where is he at in his mental development? Uh, you know, reading defenses, understanding protections, things like that. Um, you know, just getting a better sense for where he is in his development and how far he has to go. So uh, it, this quarterback class is talented, but again, there's a lot of question marks here that it's not as simple as, oh, uh, well, quarterbacks are going to go one, two, or, you know, we're going to have three quarterbacks, top five, top six. It's 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 not that simple. At least that's what NFL teams think. They, they, they're not convinced that's how this quarterback class is going to play out. So um, I think Bears fans, let's just say quarterback goes one. Bears fans are going to have to keep an open mind about uh, what's going to happen there with, with that pick. And, you know, I don't, I'm not sure there's going to be a, a ton of teams calling to move up with some of these questions. Now, there might be. Uh, you know, for all we know, the Panthers, who have been stuck in quarterback purgatory for forever, they might say, you know what, we're tired of this. Let's let's move up a couple spots. Let's get the number two pick. Or the Colts, you know, we know the veteran quarterback route has not worked out. Um, you know, let's let's see let, let's you know see what it takes to move up and get our guy. Um, so there, there's absolutely a chance it happens, but I don't think it's as much of a certainty as some Bears fans think. So well, let's let's entertain them for a second. Say the Bears do trade back, and they're in that late top ten range, maybe top twelve. And you're looking at maybe some offensive linemen, like a Peter Skronsky. We have to mention him because he's a local kid, Northwestern, Maine South, right down the street. For me. Is he the real deal? Are you concerned about his arm length? Like, what's the offensive line class look like past those elite defenders in the top five? Well, it, it took a little bit of a hit when Olu Fashanu, the left tackle for Penn State, decided to go back to school. Um, you know, in my mock draft, I actually had him 
like five overall. Um, and, and as I was mapping it out and then he decided to go back and so I had to take him out. And so that you're, you're missing a, a, a premier offensive tackle in this class, uh, but it's still a pretty decent group. Um, after him, I think it'll, it comes down to Paris Johnson, uh, the left tackle from Ohio state or Peter Skronsky. And uh, you know, it's, it's something where you take the, the guy with uh, a lot of the prototypical traits and, you know, a guy that's got a high ceiling and that's Paris Johnson or you're going to go with Skaronsky, who doesn't necessarily check every box uh, physically, uh, but you uh, you know you feel really good about what you're getting. And the question, you know, kind of like with Bryce Young and the size um, question marks, it's going to be the same thing with Skaronsky because uh, you know we, we we talked about this a lot with Rashawn Slayer, right? I mean, that, there's a lot of noise about his 33 inch arms. Oh, he's going to have to move to guard. Uh, we did it with Tristan Wirfs and both of those guys have smashed any of those, you know, uh, doubts about arm length. They're, they're both uh, pro bowl, all pro caliber tackles in the NFL. But with Skaronsky, he's not going to make it to 33 inches. He, he might not make it to 32 and a half inches in terms of arm length. And that is a real concern for a lot of teams. It's, he, he will be automatically moved to guard for, uh, for some of these teams that, uh, you know, that they, place a, a, a heavy emphasis on uh, some of those benchmarks. So, um, I, but at the same time, even if he does move to guard, we're talking about a, a really good player, uh, both with his processing, the way he sees things play out, but also his foot quickness. Um, his technique is off the charts. Um, I mean, this is just a, it's a, he might be the highest floor player in this draft in terms of, you know what you're getting. Um, even if he doesn't stick at tackle, you're going to move him inside to guard and, you know, he could have a Zach Martin career. Uh, in the NFL. So you're going to feel really good about adding Peter Skronsky to your team. You just might have to have an open mind about might be a tackle, might be a guard for us. We'll have to, you know, wait and see how things play out. Um, so I think, it, you know, it, it comes down to Paris Johnson and, and, and Skronsky. And I think both would go in that area, both in that seven to 12 range. Um, you know, talking to scouts, that's where they expect both those two players to go. How about a, is there a day two center that? Hmm could potentially are we still too early for that i just it, it, it's it, the bears offensive line needs are are kind of interesting because they they really like braxton jones who's been playing left tackle this year for him sure. fifth round pick and then they picked up alex leatherwood who just you know finally got in the the game the other day for 10 snaps really you know incredibly small sample right. size and but like no one really knows what alex leatherwood's still going to be former first round pick so we're kind of figuring out, like, are they even going to look at a tackle? Will they actually look interior first? And and that's where we're, I think center is still a position that a lot of people are looking at. Yeah, and I, I think it's a little lean, um, the center class. We'll, we'll see what underclassmen come out. Usually center is one of those positions, um, unless you're a going to be a high pick, you usually stay uh, for your senior year. So we'll see about you know these underclassmen, uh, Luke Whipler from Ohio State, um, Van Pran from Georgia. Uh, there's a couple of these underclassmen that we'll have to wait and see if they come out. They might be in that discussion. But if we're just talking about the seniors, we're talking about Alex Forsyth at Oregon, um, John Michael Schmitz from Minnesota, who he, he's an Illinois kid. Um, you know, but those two guys, I think, are more third, fourth round, uh, mid rounds, as opposed to second round um, at the position. It's a it's a little lean class, uh, but it, again, the underclassmen could change things. That, that's where things get interesting. Uh, we'll have to see who declares that position, but not it's not looking like a really strong class. I don't see a, a Creed Humphrey or, you know, in the past when we've seen centers go in the first round. I'm not sure we have that guy this year. How about the wide receiver class? How's that shaping up? 
I, I think we've talked about this before. You don't think there's a legitimate star, like a bona fide right. star for, for the top 10, top five. So when's the right time to strike at, at receiver, especially with the Bears potentially looking late second round now with that, that old Ravens pick for that move? Yeah, and I think that you know we've been so spoiled the last few years with some of these receivers that have been coming out. You know, guys like you know Drake London and uh, Garrett Wilson and Chris Olave last year, and then Jamar Chase and and Waddle the year before. And um, you know, it's it, we can go on and on with the number of receivers that have been come out. And this year, it definitely there, there's talent. I mean, there, there's no doubt. But I don't think it's as um, in terms of premier receivers, guys that you know you project as number one. Uh, receivers in the NFL, I, it's, I don't think this class has a lot of those guys that you look at and get really excited about in that type of role. Um, you know, my top receiver right now is Quentin Johnston from TCU, uh, and even he, he's you know there are things about his game that you know he's still pretty raw. He's he's six four two fifteen, gonna run in the four fours. Um, he tracks the ball well. He uh, you know can win down the field and with his physicality uh, and you know just the size speed uh, combo that he brings. It, it makes him a tough cover. But as a route runner, he's raw. Um, you know his production was up and down this year for TCU. But eager to see him in the college football playoff. We'll see what he does. Uh, Jordan Addison from USC is undersized. You know six foot, a buck eighty. Uh, but he's he's a tough cover because of his quickness. Uh, you know, and he, he's a guy that some of his routes you look at and say, oh, wow, that lo- looks like Stefan Diggs out there. And so if he can be consistent in that area, uh, Jordan Addison could be a playmaker. Uh, Jackson Smith and Jigba is a good player, but, um, you know, missed the entire year with that hamstring injury. Never was viewed as a, a top 10, top 15 type of player, but he's a, he's a really good receiver. Uh, you know, I, you, you think about speed is not his, his strength, probably a four or five athlete, but the route running. And you think about all the receivers CJ Stroud has played with, uh, Garrett Wilson, Chris Olave. He calls Smith and Jigba easily the top, the best route runner he's played with. So that, that says something a lot, or says something about uh, Smith and Jigba. Jalen Hyatt, speedster from, from Tennessee. He's going to go uh, early in that top 40 range because of the speed, because of his uh, ball skills downfield. And then uh, some of these seniors are interesting. I, I, you know, like Rasheed Rice from SMU, he could be in that conversation for the Bears uh, in that late second. Uh, Cedric Tillman, Tennessee. Uh, A.T. Perry, Wake Forest, Zay Flowers from Boston College. So even though this is not on the caliber of or on the level of what the receivers we've seen the last two years, it's still a really good class uh, in terms of guys you can find second round, third round, they can come in, compete for snaps, and, and make an impact pretty early in their career. I want to ask you, Dane, about Justin Fields. And, um, you know, how much fun have you had watching this 2021 quarterback class shake out the way it has? I mean, so much hype, so many guys that went early. And how does, especially, I don't know how much of Fields you've been able to watch this season, but how much his, it sure seems like he has taken some huge strides in his development the last you know eight nine weeks how much of this development that we're seeing this season matches up with your scouting report of him coming out of college yeah my whole thing with fields coming out my biggest worry with him was he he uh he he tended to play uh you know he, he was not playing fast enough everything was so um uh methodical 
And, and that, that was on the Ohio State tape. And that's what we saw last year as a rookie, even earlier this season. Everything was very methodical with what he was doing. And he just needed to speed things up. They needed to make things easier for him with his reads. And then they needed to open up with that athleticism. And that's that's really what we've seen. They, they've been able to uh, unlock that that weapon, uh, weaponize his athleticism, which we didn't see a ton at Ohio State. We saw a little bit. Uh, we always knew he was that caliber of athlete. But to see what he's done with his legs has has really opened things up because that changes the way the defense plays you. That uh, you know creates extra passing windows for you. So even as he's figuring out to play faster and not be as methodical with his process uh, in terms of his reads, understanding where to go with the football, uh, the way the defense has to play you, that helps open things up. And so uh, it, it's been a lot of fun to see. Now the next step for, for Fields is – continuing to, uh, you know, see the field better and, you know, make sure he's executing those throws. He'll make, you know, there's still, um, you know, he misses more throws than you want to see, but there's, there's a, you know, three, four throws every game that you just go, wow, okay, yeah, if he can do this consistently, we're going to talk about uh, Justin Fields as being, you know, a, a top seven quarterback in the league. Uh, you know, he has that type of ability. It's just, can he be a little more consistent? I, the progress that he has shown, the fact that he's on track, that you feel like the trajectory is moving up, Bears fans have to feel optimistic that he's going to get there. And that, that's great to see. Um, you know, and it was tough with that 2021 20, class because you had so many different types of quarterbacks with Trevor Lawrence and Zach Wilson and Trey Lance and uh, with Fields and Mac Jones. And, you know, each one had a different story about where, you know, Zach Wilson coming from BYU and Trey Lance not even having a season coming from the FCS level. Um, you know, Trevor Lawrence being billed as a generational player the moment he stepped on the campus at, at Clemson. So, um, you know, kind of weeding through it all, I, I think, you know, all four were deserving of going the top 10. They all ranked as top 10 players for me. Um, and now it's been interesting to see how things have played out with some actual evidence on the field. Um, Zach Wilson, obviously, that, that has not worked out. Um, and, you know, who knows if, if, you know, what his future is in New York or his future in the NFL. Um, you know, I, there's there's obviously talent there, but he has not been uh, the, the player that, uh, you know, the Jets thought they were getting. And a lot of us, uh, and, it, and it wasn't just a Jets problem. I mean, if the Bears were picking number two, I bet you they'd take Zach Wilson. Uh, you know, I know we'll, we'll never really know for sure, but a lot of teams uh, believe Zach Wilson was the second best quarterback in that draft. So, you know, it's it's fascinating to see, to see the way things play out. Um, and, you know, with uh, and that's the thing with the draft is, you know, uh, hindsight's always undefeated. And so um, I'm, I'm just glad that, you know, the, it feels like the Bears have a good plan for fields and with the way to use him, the way to uh, get him better. Um, I think that, you know, last year was really worried about that. And it wasn't, I wasn't just worried about fields, but I was worried about, okay, is the coaching staff, you know, putting him in position to succeed. And then, you know, this year at the beginning of the season is the same type of thing. Uh, you know, do they understand how to use it, how, you know, his strengths and how to, you know, best uh, get him, uh, it, you know, to improve as a quarterback. And so we're finally seeing it. And, it, you know, it's, it's awesome for, uh, for, for Fields and for Bears fans. Dane, one more before we let you go. And thank you again so much. I wanted to ask you about two more Bears players who are seemingly becoming, well, building blocks, two young guys. Um, Tevin Jenkins, who has had a, a career resurgence, call it that, if you may, in his second year, playing right guard for the Bears. Has been absolutely dominant on some days. And then Jack Sanborn, the middle linebacker, the Mike linebacker for the Bears, goes undrafted out of, out of Wisconsin, but he's making like 10 tackles per game now after the Roquan Smith trade. So what do you 
What do you see? What do you like? What do you think back on, you know, with their scouting reports in regards to Jenkins and Sanborn? Yeah, with, with Tevin, um, you know, we, we, you like that he had brought you some position flexibility because, you know, he was mainly a right tackle for Oklahoma State, but played left tackle, played some guard. Uh, you know, he had that experience, and with his uh, his skill set, you thought that he, did, he had legitimate position flex because he's got that thick, wide frame. Uh, he's a very strong player. Uh, he, uh, I, I think that he sees the field well in terms of understanding where the pressures are coming from and where he needs to be uh, in position to make a play. He's a smart player, uh, and, and he's a nasty guy. I mean, he likes to finish. So that competitiveness, um, the light feet, the, the projectable frame, uh, you know, he was a guy that I projected as a, a top 25 pick in that draft. Um, you know, you were really optimistic about, even though, you know, some things were disjointed and, um, you know, he needed to be a little more consistent with uh, technique and, um, you know, just the, the way he was executing. A lot of the parts were there. A lot of the things that you look for, uh, you know, arms were long enough. Um, you know, his, his movements were good enough. A lot of things were good enough. And so uh, with Tevin Jenkins, it's good to see him settling in. I know he had some... Um, some tough moments there um, as a rookie, and that's I, I mean kind of a reminder that that's that's that's, that's what it takes, you know, for a yeah. lot of these young players uh, is that development. And so that was good to see uh, with Jack Sanborn. I, I had a late round grade on him, so you know I'm I, I thought he was draftable, uh, but still a late round grade. He, he is absolutely you know I think played above what a lot of people thought. He's always been productive. He had over 90 tackles last year. Um, you know he he did well at the combine. It's not like he was a uh, below average athlete. Um, but what I, you always loved about him watching that Wisconsin film, how aggressive he was as a run filler. I, I mean, this guy is downhill, 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 uh, very physical, attacking mindset. Um, I, I, my worry with him was just he was going to be an early down player because of, you know, just his struggles and coverage, uh, um, but love the diagnosed skills, the competitive toughness. And I think we're we're absolutely seeing that now uh, in the NFL. So I was surprised he went undrafted because I, I had a, a day three grade on him, but um, he has far exceeded e- even, you know, what, what I thought he would be. He's a, he's been a good player. And it's uh, that, that's, that's if you're going to build a team, you need to have fines like this. And so bringing him in this physical run filler, um, a guy that can blitz uh, the downhill instincts. Um, that's exactly what Jack Sanborn is. Dane, we really appreciate it. Thanks so much. Awesome insight. And um, again, our listeners should be following you at DP Brugler on Twitter. They can also hear you on the Prospects to Pros part of the Athletic Football Show, which we're always telling people they should be listening to. Anyway, Dane, thanks so much, man. I'm sure we'll be talking to you soon. All right. Anytime. Looking forward to it, guys. Thanks, Dane. All right, Johns. I think my biggest takeaway... From talking to Dane there is if the Bears are able to end up in the top three, it kind of seems like it's those two defensive players yeah. are are just like the obvious picks. I, I'll be honest. As much as I would entertain like trade conversations, I love the idea of taking one of those guys. Yeah. Having an elite, an elite defender we're not talking about some off the ball linebacker or something like that someone on your defensive front who helps fix the worst pass rush in the league and Carter and Anderson will both do that I am more than intrigued by the idea I'm almost siding with it like if the Bears 
entertain conversations or don't want to entertain trade conversations, you, you know they will. But having an elite special defender like that, a top five pick, instant impact type of guy. Like you just look at the 49ers defense. Look at Nick Bosa. Yeah. Wasn't he the third overall pick? Second overall pick? Yeah, these guys, yeah. And they usually work out. Usually. It seems like. Well, there's some misses there. I'm fascinated, though. Like, So it seemed like Dane's definitely leaning towards Will Anderson as being the better prospect right now. It's probably the edge rush preference, right? If you're rating the yeah. importance of positions. But what's interesting to me is how free agency is going to fall before the draft. Like, what if the Bears go out and get their three technique in free agency? If they get Deron Payne, you know, from Washington. Well, but they only have the three pick, not the number two pick. Well, then there's no guarantee that Anderson's going to be available to them. Maybe, And then maybe they're, I don't know, I'd probably still draft Carter then. Because yeah. now the interior D-line is insane. That's what you want. Yeah. Bad boys in the middle, man. I don't I, I, I like the idea of trading back. Maybe it's what he said about Skronsky or, or some of the other offensive linemen. Like not having that that special one. Maybe that's what I'm thinking of. But even like beyond Carter and Anderson, there's there's some very good defensive players there. Guys for your trenches. Two players from Clemson, I, I believe. I still think Skaronsky. I get the arm concerns, but like as I'm glad Dane said it because as he was talking about that, I was already thinking about Rashawn Slater. I'm like, we went through this with Slater. Yeah, everybody was like, he's got to play guard. He's got to play guard. His arms aren't long enough, and then the dude showed up and he's just dominant tackle. And and I get Skaronsky's his arms are even shorter, but like the dude, the dude jumped in as a true freshman in the Big Ten and didn't blink. So, can I lay a high? Go ahead. I, I just think he's a safe pick. I, I agree with that. I think Will Anderson and Jalen Carter are safe picks, though, yeah. as well. So, let, let me lay th- this out for you. Let's say you're the Bears. You're feeling really good about Braxton Jones at left tackle. You love the leadership and the stability of Cody Whitehair at left guard. He's under contract. You're going to stick with him. You have Lucas Patrick at center. You like some of your options in the later rounds. You're absolutely sold on Tavid Jenkins at right guard. And let's just say, just entertain this for a little bit, that Alex Leatherwood over the final four games of the season looks pretty darn good at right tackle, something you could work with. He's buying into the hits philosophy. He's getting in shape. Mono is well behind him. He's playing a bit nasty. You feel good about your offensive line. Do you just stay there and find that elite defender for for Matthew Flus's defense? I I mean I instead of trade back, yeah. I mean I think it depends on what the offer is. You know, there's multiple teams that have multiple first round picks this year. You know, so if you can work that out where you're actually picking twice in this draft, yeah, I get not, that. Especially if you want to take a receiver year. at the end of the first round because it doesn't look like there's a top 10. There's definitely not a top mm-hmm. five receiver. Um, I think it just depends on what the offer is, right? Because I'd feel great about moving back a few spots and still getting somebody like Skaronsky 
adding another pick later, especially because you're not like we we should probably be paying attention to the the Ravens every week. Like, well, there's a certain there's from, a certain quarterback there who is now week to week with an injury, I believe. Yes, but it's like too bad that they pulled out that victory against Denver the other day because you know that pick becomes. That second round pick falls farther and farther away instead of, you know, picking essentially right at the top of the second round, which with the Dolphins not having any pick is, I mean, basically another late round, late first round pick. Well, that's Pittsburgh's pick now. So, yeah, it's, I think that that's going to be fascinating to see how that plays out. I also think that free agency can impact that. Like I hinted at, you know, if they get their three technique or a pass rusher in free agency, you know, maybe that gives you a little extra wiggle room to, to be willing to go backwards. We'll see. Or, or a big left tackle in free agency. So I'm, I'm fascinated to see how that plays. I will say that despite some of the offensive line concerns, there's no question to me the D-line is a bigger need. Oh, yes. Like the the, not, the offensive line close. has been good the past couple games. Yeah. For all the criticisms they've received this year, and a lot of them were fair in the beginning of the season, 100% fair. I think they have more than have held their own and have played a role in the the improvements that Justin Fields has made. I mean, some players on there have significantly gotten better. Little teaser for my newsletter in the morning, by the way. One in particular that might surprise some fans. So, well, let me guess now. Might surprise some fans, so it's a surprise. Yeah. Oh, you're going to say Sam Mustafer. Yeah, I mean, he has gotten better. People are watching the tape. So, um, now I'm not saying they shouldn't still look at first round offensive linemen keep getting better there. But if it's a debate between, you know, we're talking about two elite defenders on your D-line and maybe offensive tackles that at least have some question marks about their ceiling, yeah, I think I think it's pretty safe. I, I think if you're the Bears and all of a sudden you're not in the second overall pick and you're five or six, then I think your the conversations are a bit different. Like, oh, I can move back a few spots and take Skronsky. I'm okay with that because Anderson and Carter are gone. Yeah. Like, I I could see the offensive linemen in Ian Cunningham and Ryan Poles being more agreeable to that as opposed to passing on two potential special defenders. Yeah. Well, I'm glad we did this. Going into the bye, talk a little NFL draft. I mean, there's there's still our four games to be played when we get back. Um, I I think but, it's crazy. Can I say something real quick? Sure. Like the picks right behind the Bears, the 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 Broncos, the Rams, and the Saints. That's three, four, yeah. five. They don't even they don't own their picks. I know that is crazy. That that's wild to me. Absolutely wild to me. You got the Seahawks, Lions, and Eagles. <laughs> the the one loss Eagles with the fifth overall picks in there. There have been a lot of trades. There have been a lot of trades. So, yeah, Denver's picks going to Seattle. Russell Wilson trade. Rams picks going to Detroit. The Jared Goff trade. Isn't, and, isn't uh, that the, the Matthew Stafford trade? <laughs> yeah, I guess so. 
I guess is probably the, the Super Bowl winning quarterback trade. Yeah. Get I it right, Hogue. Ta- talking about. Yeah. Okay. I don't know why I called it. I, I was thinking about Jared Goff because the Lions, the Lions situation is interesting because they're actually a pretty potent offense, even with Jared Goff. And if there's not an obvious quarterback, I mean, I definitely think they should be looking at quarterbacks, right? The, but if there's not an obvious one, you could, you you could give that next quarterback whenever he comes in the best situation possible. They have a very good St. Brown, a damn good St. Brown at receiver. Yeah, yeah they got the good St. Brown. It's not fair. <laughs> He's really good. He had like forty fantasy points the other day. I saw that. <laughs> Insane. All right. Um, well, the Bears did lose to the Packers on Sunday. We have your voicemails from the game, and we want to get those to you before we get out of here. So here you go. Voicemails from yet another Bears loss to now the all-time winningest franchise in NFL history, the Green Bay Packers. Hello? Do you know who this is? Oh, you didn't know? <laughs> Your ass better call somebody. The Hogan Johns voicemail. The Hogan Johns voicemail line. Believe it or not, George isn't at home. Please leave a message at the beep. Got any questions or comments about the Bears? Give the guys a call before, after, or even during the game. Go Bears! Foggy Cat, John Z. Spade, Bob Dabrowski here, calling in from the most beautiful spot in the whole wide universe, uh, a.k.a. Soldier's Field. Boys, uh, I got to be honest, I've been hearing a lot of, uh, all the Bears should lose this week for draft position, and all the, no, what if the, the Bears should lose because of blah, 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 blah. Boys, let me remind you, these are the motherfucking Green Bay Packers. Sorry for the F-bomb, but these Packers, these are the people that double bark in a crowded mall parking lot on Christmas Eve when everybody else is just trying to get a present. These are the people that push a shopping cart into the handicapped spot. These are the people that talk on speakerphone in a restaurant. These people are the worst scum in the universe. These people are the Green Bay Packer fans, and we do not, we do not want to lose to these people. Green Bay, the Packers. Let's go, Bears. Sorry for the F-bombs, but this is Packer Week. This is serious business. Let's get the dub. Chicago Bears, 175 to 0. Bear down. Genghis from Minneapolis here uh, calling to say that that Justin Fields kid looks like he might be the real deal. Uh, seeing Wesco go out just reminds me, though, that we need to ask the McCaskies to open up the checkbook and invest in a strength and conditioning team, not a strength or conditioning team. Bear down. All of a sudden, Justin Fields is making his wide receivers look better. That's that's not nothing. Hey, Hogan Johns, Rob from SoCal here. Pretty excited about this first half. I love going into halftime with a lead, although I really don't understand why Eberflus called that timeout. It almost seems like the Packers would have just kicked that field goal there. But nonetheless, we still have the lead, and that bomb to EQ, man, was that beautiful. I bet you the Packers were on the sidelines just like, where was he? Uh, oh, you mean Rodgers didn't throw to him? That guy? Awesome. Justin Fields, let's go. Bear down. 
Justin Fields is the best dual threat quarterback in the NFL, no debate. 2023 is going to be really fun to watch. Hey, uh, Hogan Johns. Uh, yeah, this Packers team better get used to Justin Fields running all over them for the next couple years here. Uh, bear down, boys. Hoggy Cat, Johnsy Babe. The refs are single-handedly allowing this to be a very close game. When in all reality, this should be a beatdown by the Chicago Bears on the Green Bay Packers. Justin Fields, looking like quarterback of the future, have been back to the future, even looking like looking like no quarterback we've ever had before. But amen, prayers up, let's go, bear down, let's win this game. Packers suck, goodbye. Hey, Hoagie and Jones, 15-10 at half. I'm not as hammered as I expected to be, but God, Justin Fields is the GOAT. Jack Tamer's the next Brian Erlacher. I just, I hope polls can build around those guys in the offseason and take us to the promised land in the next two or three years. Bear down. Hogan Johns, Jake from St. Augustine, Florida. Bears are up 19 to 10. I don't care about that second pick right now. I just want to beat these Packers and Aaron Rodgers, who looks like he may have finally lost it. Go Bears, bear down. I don't want to hear anybody tell me that Luke Getze will get head coaching calls next year. If he does, good riddance. If not, we're stuck with him. But he has peed right down his leg every time we are in a goal-to-go situation with a quarterback who can throw the ball more than 50 air yards. There are two imposters among us, man. I just... <laughs> I'm telling you right now, East Usain Brown and Lou Getsy, they're still on Green Bay's tab. I swear to God. Like, you can't... You can't... You can't tell me otherwise. What is our record when Jake Cutler shows up to Bears games? So I feel it's like 0-10 at this point, especially... He loves to show up during Packer games, and he just got to stop doing that, man. It sucks. Um, we're not going to remember this game a year from now, but we will remember that draft pick bear down. Hey, guys. Max from Rhode Island, the only Bears fan in existence out here. And, uh... Well, you know, it's a good draft pick, right? It's a good draft pick. We didn't, we didn't want to win. But I do... Hate Aaron Rodgers. Bear down. Hey, Bear fans. B-Man here. Justin's looking great as always. What do we have in Sanborn? Bear down! I think we have a starter in Jack Sanborn. B-Man. He's a Hall of Famer. I won't go that far, but he's he's good. He's good. It, it, I, there was a point in the second half, he had, so he had nine tackles at halftime. There are a few plays, run plays, where like, oh, they're running away from him. They were. Yeah. I, I, I thought it in, in the moment. He actually finished with 10 tackles, only had one in the second half. Um, so that would suggest that that was happening. You should check out, um, encourage our listeners to check out the breakdown that Corey Wooten and I did on Sanborn's game. Uh, you can find it on my Twitter feed or at uh, CHGO underscore Bears, but it was insane what he was doing sometimes. Like he's just like throwing his body into multiple offensive linemen. Oh, at one point. when he when he was when he blew up the screen. Yeah, which was still a nine yard game, but it was just like, how did he do that? And then there was another one. He came up to the line of scrimmage. The blew up the tight end, then got through the polling center and made the tackle. It was like. 
that, that that's that's stuff that's like actually legitimately great. <laughs> yeah, like he should. I I don't know. I mean, in in recent weeks, look, nobody was higher on Sanborn than me coming out. Like, but even I was like, okay, like it's a small sample size. I'm still not totally convinced that like you just go into next season with him as your starting Mike linebacker. I'm I don't know, man. I I think you do now. His, it's, it's this is legitimate stuff. His tackle for loss, an Aaron Jones who is tough to tackle, where he gets through the traffic, where he could see you could actually see him read the play before the, the snap is even made. Takes a couple steps to his left. That's exceptional stuff. He navigates traffic really well. You know what I yeah. mean by that? Like he gets through all yes. that stuff really well. Um, as exceptional as Roquan Smith was, he would get caught up in that at times. Now the sample size for Sanborn still very limited, five games. But in terms of replacing Roquan Smith, he's been good. He's you been mean good. like when Roquan got blindsided by Carson Wentz? <laughs> well, that's just an unbelievably bad call it a blemish <laughs> moment <laughs> yes <laughs> yeah um all right well we are gonna head into the bye week um there will be no episode thursday i'm getting on a plane wednesday night um so we'll be back next tuesday with uh we're trying to put together a special eagles episode for you potentially a crossover type deal so we'll work on that and um be back here next Tuesday. You got any exciting bye week plans? Jones? Yeah, you'll be arrested. I could have some major news by next week, so stay tuned, everybody. Okay. Major, major news. I'm look. I'm looking forward to hearing that. Um, yeah, I'm gonna get away with the wife for a few days. Good for you. Looking forward to it. Um, yeah. So won't be here the rest of this week. We'll talk to you again next week. Hope everybody enjoys the bye week. And uh, make sure you're following us on Twitter. In the meantime, at Adam Hogue, at Adam Johns, Instagram. Maybe you'll get that news from Johnsy at some point. And, um, yeah, appreciate everyone making it this far with us. Four more games to go. Find us on YouTube. Subscribe. Hit the notification button. Hit the like button if you're watching right now. Please do it. Helps us out. Helps promote the show. Um, oh, I got we got T-shirts to give away to. I I was sorting through the tweets from last week, the Spotify totals, standings. What I don't know what the hell you call it. The amount of minutes people listen to. I think I think we pulled them out. I think I got them. There's a lot to sort through. The leader in the clubhouse, though, his handle is at RC Cola. Oh, <laughs> just give it to him automatically. It almost seems like. It almost seems sketchy. <laughs> like that like, is it really? It's too perfect. It's too perfect. So anyway, we appreciate everyone who has listened um, throughout the year. And uh, we'll be back after the bye. Enjoy your Bearsless weekend. Root for the teams that the Bears need to lose or win, I mean, to get better draft pick. No 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 issues there. Alright, we'll talk to you next week. See ya. These are the mother. And green face actors. Sorry for the F bomb.